Welcome to Spooky Island Radio and this week's Campfire Stories episode. In these episodes, prepare to be scared and spooked from around my campfire here on Spooky Island. No filler, just fire in these episodes. So it's time to get wrapped up in your blanket and toast some marshmallows and relax with Spooky Island Radio Campfire Tales. Twelve years old, I had a best friend named Brenda. After school, we always went to her house to hang out. She lived in a big house right on the edge of town. One day, Brenda didn't show up for school. She was absent for the next few days, and I began wondering if there was something wrong with her. After she had missed a whole week of school, I decided to pay her a visit. I cycled all the way across town and arrived at her house just as it was getting dark outside. And when I rang the doorbell, I got a shock when the door opened almost immediately. Brenda's mother was now standing in the doorway, but there was something strange about her. Her eyes seemed darker than usual, and her hair was hanging loose around her shoulders. I noticed that she was wearing a bathrobe, but the most unsettling thing was the way that she was grinning at me. She didn't say a word, she just stood there staring at me with an evil smile playing across her lips. Is Brenda here? I asked nervously. She beckoned at me to come in and before I could say anything she had slipped back into the darkened house. As I stepped inside, my eyes strained to see in the darkness, but I wasn't sure where she had gone. And just then, I heard a strange humming sound and followed it into the kitchen. I found her there, standing at the kitchen sink with her back towards me. The moment I entered the kitchen, she stopped humming and there was an eerie silence. I took a seat at the kitchen table and waited. She seemed to be taking forever. I spent the next five minutes just sitting there, wondering what was going on. Then I realised something very odd indeed. The whole time I had been sitting there, she hadn't moved a muscle. Her back was still towards me and I couldn't see her face. Her hands hung limp by her sides and her head was slightly tilted. Something was very, very wrong. I stood up nervously and approached her. She remained completely still. Ever so slowly, I moved around around her and tried to get a look at her face to see if she was alright. The sight still haunts me to this very day. Her eyes were wide open and she still had that evil grin on her face. I was so so freaked out I couldn't bear to stay in the kitchen a moment longer. Without saying a word I backed out of the room and made my way towards the front door. It wasn't until a few days later when I found out that my friend Brenda had been absent from school. My parents told me that there had been a tragic death in Brenda's family. What? I asked. Who died? My parents broke the sad news to me and it made my hair stand on end and I was crying from fright. Brenda's mother had died suddenly and the night I called over to her house, Brenda had been at her grandparents' place attending the funeral. Years later, when I was about 16 years old, 
I made a little extra money by working as a babysitter on weekends. One evening, a friend of mine called me and said that she knew a family who desperately needed a babysitter. She was busy and wanted to know if I was interested in babysitting for them instead. She told, she told me that the parents were very nice. The pay was good and for their three-year-old daughter was polite and well behaved. I wasn't doing anything important so I told her I'd be glad to take the job. That evening I went to the family's house and met the mother. Her name was Ruth and she was getting ready to go out for the night with some friends. She mentioned that her husband was out of town on business and gave me some numbers to call if I needed to get in touch with her. The night went very easily. I made dinner for a little girl, gave her a little bubble bath, then got her dressed for bed. I was around, it was around midnight when I heard the front door open and footsteps coming down the hallway. I thought it was strange because I hadn't even heard the car pull up. Turning around, I was relieved to see Ruth making her way into the living room where I was still watching TV. She never said a word to me, and as she walked past me, I was surprised by how different she looked. Something about her eyes had changed, and she was grinning from ear to ear. I felt a cold chill run down my spine. I knew that grin. I had seen it before many years ago. Ruth sat at the dining table with her back towards me. Her hands hung limp by her sides, and her head cocked to the left and she was humming to herself. Ruth, I asked nervously, Ruth, are you okay? No answer. Ruth, you're not alive anymore, are you? In silence. With shaking hands, I quickly gathered my things and backed out of the room. When I got to the hallway, I opened the front door and looked outside, and there was no car in the driveway. All of a sudden, the eerie silence was broken by the sound of the phone ringing. I didn't want to answer it. I was afraid of what I might hear. For a moment, my hand seemed to hover over the phone. Then I lifted up the receiver and put it to my ear. I already knew who it was. It was the police, calling to tell me that Ruth had been involved in a car accident an hour ago, and she had been killed on impact. Tears were streaming down my face. I ran upstairs and grabbed Ruth's daughter from her bed and bundled her up into a blanket. As we came downstairs, I had to pass by the door of the living room. I could still see Ruth sitting at the table with her eyes back back to me. Without pausing for a second, I ran out into the night, carrying the little girl in my arms. Time for my second campfire story today. This one is called Evil in the Woods. It was a cold December night and I was just a kid. The the sack of firewood was nearing the bottom and my grandmother knew it it wouldn't last until the morning. She asked my uncle to fetch some more from the mountains and my uncle took me with him as we drove off in his pickup truck. He chopped the wood and and I stacked it as fast as I could, but by the time we were finished, the sun was setting and the bed of the pickup truck was half full. On the way home, the sun disappeared from the sky and it grew very dark. We were driving down dirt road that led through the woods. I leaned my head against the window and watched the silhouettes of the trees race past 
as the stars twinkled above them. All of a sudden, the awful feeling that we were being watched. The hair on the back of my neck stood up and a chill ran down my spine. My uncle had a strange look on his face and he was staring directly ahead. Just then, I heard tap, tap, tap on the window behind me. I started to turn around, but my uncle suddenly shouted, Don't! I completely froze. My heart started beating rapidly. My uncle put his foot down on the gas as we began to speed up. It was the first time I had ever seen real fear on my uncle's face. And then I heard it again. Tap, tap, tap on the window beside me. Look at me, my uncle shouted. Don't turn around. Keep looking at me. I didn't know what was going on. My mind was racing. All of a sudden, I felt the truck dip as if something heavy had landed in the back. My uncle sped up even more, started praying out loudly in our native language even. I wanted to cry. I wanted it to stop. Once again, I heard it tap, tap, tap on the window behind me. Just keep looking at me and don't turn away, my uncle cried over and over. I could see he was on the verge of tears. He was driving faster and faster, pushing the engine to its limits. My heart was beating so rapidly, I thought it would leap out of my chest. It was getting harder for me to breathe. I shut my eyes as tight as I could and whispered a prayer. A minute or two passed and then the truck dipped again. My uncle looked around around and let, let out a deep sigh of relief. He slowed down and everything was quiet again. All I could hear was the drone of the truck's engine and the crunch of the gravel on the dirt road. My uncle looked at me and said, We will have your father do a prayer in the morning so the evil will forget our faces. I remember curling up on the seat and staring at the clock on the dashboard as I listened to my uncle sing an old prayer. By the time I got back to my grandmother's house, I was almost asleep. My uncle carried me inside and put me to bed. And to this day, my uncle never talked about what happened that night. My third and final story today is a story about an old state school in America and some ghosts that still inhabit it, inhabit it to this day. Willowbrook State School began as a hospital for mentally handicapped children. The school had a terrible reputation and was used like a warehouse where mentally disabled children were just dumped. Many of them were abandoned by their families or the foster care agencies who were supposed to take care of them. However, the school quickly became overcrowded and the employees weren't able to control the patients. The mentally disabled children were locked in rooms for extended lengths of time and forced to sleep on floors covered in their own pee. Many of the children were malnourished and underfed. Many of them ran through the halls dressed in ragged clothes and or completely naked. Conditions became so bad that a lot of children contracted diseases and died from illness and malnutrition. Unable to deal with the situation, some staff members began abusing the children physically. Some of the kids even wandered away from the institution and ended up dying in the, in the woods surrounding the hospital. Between 1963 till 1966, 
Secret medical studies were even conducted on the children. Doctors infected them with hepatitis in order to study the disease. They were being used as human guinea pigs. When Senator Robert Kennedy visited the mental institution in 1966, he called it a snake pit and declared that Willowbrook State School is not fit for even animals to live in. He said the patients were living in filth and dirt, their clothing in rags, in rooms less comfortable and cheerful than the cages in which we put animals in in the zoo. In 1971, funding to Willowbrook State School was cut drastically, which led to even worse conditions. Local newspapers and TV stations began doing reports on the overcrowding, the unsanitary conditions and the physical and mental abuse of the disabled children. In 1972, reporter Geraldo Riviera secretly gained access to Willowbrook State School using a stolen key by the mid-1980s, Willowbrook State School closed down and many of its buildings were abandoned. Today, they lie vacant and in ruins, littered old toys, lunch trays and broken beds. Sometimes people claim to hear disembodied footsteps echo in the deserted corridors. Others have heard whispered voices calling out their names and the eerie sound of children giggling in the hallways. One employee saw the ghostly figures of two children lurking in the building. The boy and girl were dressed in ragged clothing. The woman was puzzled because she could not figure out what the children were doing there. She followed them and watched as they turned the corridor, corner disappearing from sight. When she peeked around the corner, she saw that there was nothing there but an empty hallway. She realised she had just seen two ghosts. Teenagers who trespass on the property often tell tales of shadowy figures chasing them away from the buildings. Two boys went exploring in the school at night. They were chased around the grounds by a dark figure. Eventually, they managed to run back to their houses. When they looked out their window, they realised the shadowy figure had followed them home and was standing in their gardens. They watched it from their window, and as the thing stood in front of their home, until the sun came up. In July 1987, the body of young girl, a young girl was discovered in a shallow grave on the grounds of Willowbrook State School. She had disappeared from her home a few days before, and when police investigated, they found a homeless man named Andre Rand living in a makeshift shack nearby. Years before, he had been working as an orderly in Willowbrook. Witnesses stated seeing Rand playing with the little girl on the day she disappeared. Police charged him with kidnapping and murder. He is, he is a suspect in the disappearance of many other children in the area, but the police have been unable to prove it. Newspapers call him the Hannibal Lecter of Staten Island. With the campfire now beginning to fade, I think I will leave it there for today. I hope you enjoyed this week's scary camp stories and remember to listen out for a full episode of Spooky Island Radio next week. Until then, over and out.